0: Welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the average joe and their great hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams. You're listening to episode 65. How many of you have ever went hunting with your grandfather? Uh, Maybe your grandfather's the one that taught you how to hunt, or maybe if you're like me, my grandfather took me out one time. Hunting was definitely not his thing. Uh, I think I'd spent the night at his house, and it was must have been a gun season, and um, I don't know if I was using his gun or my own or whatever, but anyhow, I was probably about 12 maybe, and Grandpa took me out, and I remember we were only maybe a hundred yards from his house, just into the wood line a little bit, sat down and uh, my grandparents were always big on making sure that you had plenty to eat. So we had a full breakfast that morning and it hit me. And if you know what I'm talking about, <laughs> And so I said, grandpa, I think I need to go back to the house real quick. I was like, I'll be right back. So I went to the house and whenever I came out of the bathroom, Grandpa's standing there and I'm like, we we can keep hunting. We can keep going. I mean, I really wanted to be out there with him. And he's like, ah, that's all right. I, th- I think we're good for today. And so we had been in the woods about 5 to 10 minutes total. <laughs> I just don't think the idea of of killing an animal just was never something that was real appealing to my grandfather. My my grandfather, I consider him a a man's man and he's a great man still alive to this day and um Just a good, godly dude, and I love him. But hunting was never his thing. So maybe maybe you have a different experience. Today's guest definitely had a different experience. His grandfather not only taught him how to hunt, but basically raised him as well and not just his grandfather, but also his great-grandfather. Brandon Roberts is our guest today, and Brandon has a bunch of great stories, not just his own, but also some stories going back years uh, with his great-grandfather and his grandpa. And so we're just going to call this a tribute to Pap. We talk a little bit about this. We've talked about it so much, um, being willing to take other people hunting, and, and because somebody most likely... If you know how to hunt, somebody had a hand in helping you. Maybe you're self-taught, but I think that's more rare. I think each of us had somebody that helped us in some way learn the ropes, and I think it's our job as hunters to pass that along to others. So without any further uh, rambling, we're just going to jump in. Here is Brandon Roberts with a tribute to Pat. All right, guys, I have Brandon Roberts with me here on the phone from PA. Brandon, how's it going? Pretty good, Travis.
1: How are you doing?
0: All doing pretty good. It is a beautiful day here, and uh, just enjoying Got a big moon tonight. and Just enjoying that. How about you?
1: Yeah, not too bad. Just living life trying to deal with this uh, virus and stuff that's been going on. Been stuck at home a lot, but luckily yeah. I'm considered an essential worker, so I get to go to work.
0: Yeah, nice. That's good. That is a good thing. I know a lot of people are laid off, and that's that stinks, definitely. I feel for yeah. those folks. So what is your essential job that you have?
1: Basically, I work for this company called PCI Labs. We're in a small town called Bangor, Pennsylvania. What we do is we put coating on plastic parts. And the coatings that we do, one of the parts that we actually coat is the screens for, like, the crash carts that they use in the hospitals. Get
0: out of here. Wow. Yeah. That is cool.
1: Oh, it's really cool. And, like, basically, we coat hundreds of them throughout the course of the day.
0: huh. Man, that that's kind of got to feel like you have like a part, I don't know, does it kind of feel neat that that's, um, especially since, I mean, this Corona deal is taken over, I mean, is that, has your job kind of taken on a new meeting since you've had to go to work?
1: I mean, it definitely feels like it does. I mean, I definitely try to push a little harder than I normally would doing these things, and yeah. I try to push out as many of them as possible, because I know for a fact that that could be that screen, even though we're just coding, it could be a device that could actually help somebody in the long run could save their life.
0: Man, which is really cool. Yeah, that is really awesome. I mean, it's just stuff like that. You don't even like people, I kind of made some jokes earlier, you know, about the fact that it seems like everybody's essential. (laughs) It's like everybody's going out, but that's not true. I know there's definitely people that have lost their jobs and there's been struggle and, And so, I mean, even that, that's, that's really cool that you do that, man. So, well, tell us, tell us a little bit about life in PA and uh, what you do, how you got into hunting. We'll, we'll jump into some of that stuff too, man.
1: Well, I just wanted to give a shout out to my uh, family. I have three kids, a great fiance, and basically if you want to get life in PA, it's pretty north, probably like what, a lot like what you have there in Ohio. It's pretty calm. I live in rural PA, so I got a nice field at back and get to hang out. You said uh with how I got started with hunting, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, just go anyway, ahead.
1: So basically uh growing up, I grew up with my grandfather and my grandmother essentially for most of my life. And my grandfather, I can remember times at 3 years old where I'm sitting there and he's in, he's back in his room cleaning his guns and stuff and at 3 years old he'd bring out his thirty thirty 30 and he'd hand it to me unloaded of course, and just we'd sit there and talk and he'd tell me stories about hunting fishing and all that. And I used to get so excited over these things. And, like, sadly, he passed on the 15th of this past month. Oh, man. It's been really hard because I'm finding a lot of, like, his old, a lot of old pictures and stuff like that. But he really got me going on hunting. I remember hearing stories when I was a kid of, uh, I used to go down in his basement. He had his buckets of deer horns, and he would pull, was this one six point a real wide six that he shot and i would grab that set of horns and go sit on his lap and make him tell me that story about 50 times in a row oh man that's cool that's cool Uh, man i'm
0: sorry about your loss but that those are some great memories for sure i
1: appreciate it man
0: yeah so let's let's dive in a little bit there brandon so you're sitting on your grandpa's lap he's got telling you these stories let's talk a little bit about you know how he got you into hunting and some of those memories that you have of him.
1: Well, he he basically, he started me off hunting. We would go up to our family cabin that we had for years. It was sold a few years back, but we basically, we'd go up there during the summer and stuff, and early fall, he'd take me up when he'd go archery hunting or turkey hunting in the fall. And we'd go, you know, we'd go out and sit in the woods, we'd talk. He'd always told me once I was old enough, I'd have to earn my way to hunt up there with him. So I'd go... (laughs) We basically we would we were in wood fire in the basement of that uh, cabin, and I remember that fall before my first season, we went up there, for almost it was like a, it was over the summers, but it was about a week straight we cut firewood, and I was so I was so freaking excited because I knew, that that, that year I'd got my safety course earlier in the year, that that was gonna be the year I'd finally get to go. And the thing that really got to me is I was super excited, too. He told me I was going to get the hunt off of his stand, which they had permanent stands up in the mountains up there. They built them years back. He shot about a 130, 140-inch 10-pointer off that stand the year before. Oh, wow. So he had me all cranked up for that first year.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that sounds – I like that. I like that he made you work for it. That's, that's, uh, That's interesting. That's a good way to go about it, I would think. So uh, uh, it, it how did that first year play too. out? Yeah. The
1: first year was actually, it was great starting off. It didn't look too promising. And well, the cool thing about my first year was I got to hunt in that camp with not only my grandfather, but my great grandfather.
0: Okay. Wow. Which okay. Was,
1: was very special in its own. Well, the first, that first year we went up, we would always go up to camp the Friday before like black Friday. We started hunting in PA normally on Mondays. It just switched to Saturdays. Okay. Well, we were, we'd go up that Friday. We go up, check stands, do a little turkey hunting, whatever. Well, the first day came along. He put me out in his stand. Now I'm 13 years old. He sits me out in the stand, and I sat there for 12 hours. I didn't see a single deer.
0: <laughs> oh, man.
1: Nothing. I didn't see a single ounce of wildlife the first day.
0: <laughs> That's a great day. great introduction to hunting right there. Oh yeah. That
1: first sit first day <laughs> of rifle season. Now is he sitting next everywhere. to you? No, he went off on his own stand. He gave me okay. a lot of uh he taught me a lot about safety and all that, got me settled okay. in and then he went on his own. We went on a youth doe hunt beginning of the year where he sat with me and got me oh, used okay. to the ropes of and everything. To.
0: Cool. But cool. nothing happened
1: right. on that hunt either. So Yeah. But the second day was the exact same as the first day. We for hours, daylight to dark, packed my lunch, didn't see a single deer. Third day comes along, I sit in that stand, another 12 hours, daylight to dark, you'll see a little deer, and just to give you a little layout of that stand, we had 26 acres in Sullivan County, PA. You would walk up the big, There's a big hill up in the back of the cabin, like where the mountain went up. You could cut out to the left at the top of this hill. We had like little roads cut through the property. Mm-hmm. And you take this little trail and cut up onto his tree stand, which was on this little flat between like two hillsides. And then up on all the way up on the top, there was a field. Now, if you're sitting in the stand to your left, you have a shooting lane. Straight ahead, you have a road. And then back behind you, it's the woods. And you can actually see the cabin from the, from the tree stand. Okay. Well, so basically for those first three days, I sat there... Total about 36 hours. I didn't see a single deer. I think I saw maybe three squirrels that whole time. My goodness. Just, How it, are you
0: feeling at this point? Are you like wanting to quit or are you still just like tenacious? Like you want to keep oh, going?
1: I was still cranked up thinking it could happen any minute because he would always get me cranked up for that first hour <laughs> and that last hour. Yeah. But I'll, I'll admit by the end of that third day, I was getting a little discouraged. So uh, that Thursday came along. And now that Thursday, we all decided, you know what, we're going to sleep in. So I slept in until about 9, 10 o'clock. And I'm sitting, in the, I'm sitting in the cabin. We're like, okay, let's put a deer drive on. Which was basically my grandfather was just going to take a walk out and around the property, basically. We had permission to go on neighboring properties. So he would go out onto the neighbor's property and just push some of the thick brush that was out there. Mm-hmm. Well, I told him, okay. So I grabbed the thirty thirty. That he gave me, and he actually shot his first deer with that same mm, 3030. So cool. I grab my 3030 and I head up to the deer stand. It's about 10 after 10 or so once I got up in the stand and sat down. Now I'm sitting there. I hear the cabin door close down in the distance. So I say, okay, there goes my pop. He's going to go. He's going to start walking out the road, put this drive on. So I'm sitting there thinking, you know, I'm not going to see anything. So I'm sitting there. I'm checking my wa- I, I look down to check my watch. I look up and over to my left out towards that shooting lane. And there's a deer walking through, but I didn't rec- recognize it right away. So I look back down at my watch. And then the second that registered in my brain, I quick like spun my head around and was like, holy crap, there's a deer. <laughs> and then at that same moment, I stop and I see, holy crap, it's a buck. Now, in PA, you can shoot when you're youth. I'm pretty sure it's the same in Ohio. You can shoot a spike, whatever, whatever buck's good for your first buck. Right. Well, I've seen these horns poking up above the ears, so I thought, okay, here we go. So I grab the 30-30, and this deer's walking towards that shooting lane. And I get the 30-30 over the side of the stand. I pull back the hammer, and I give it that mat. And that deer stops right in the center of the shooting lane. The second that deer stopped, I shot. Now, this all happened about 10 minutes after that cabin door shut.
0: This deer, I watched it.
1: Yep, it runs up the field towards, it runs up the hill towards that field that's up on top of the mountain, and I can't see it anymore. Well, I'm sitting there. Next thing I know, I look up, and I see my grandfather and the guy that owns the cabin up the road walking towards me. He said, did you get one? I said, I think so. And... They're like, okay, well, they started walking up through, up that, there's like a road that goes up in between, going up that hill. Grandpa was walking up that road. Next thing I know, I hear him yell out, Brandon, you did it. You got a f- four, no, a five, no, a six, no, a seven pointer. And I can just remember being <laughs> so cranked up. That deer only ran about 50 yards. I double lunged it.
0: Oh, and I, re-
1: I just, I remember being so cranked up, I could have swore if I didn't, think of what i was doing i was about to jump out of that tree stand
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's sweet that's really
1: awesome when i got up to that deer i got to see it grandfather taught me how to gut them clean them out real good well we took that deer back down to the cabin and we're dragging it back down now my great-grandfather sitting in the cabin it's it's that thursday they heard me shoot down there and my uncle was like my uncle was there too and he said oh sounds like brandon shot so, my great-grandfather was like, ah, dang kid, probably shot a doe. <laughs> well, I dragged this deer up to the cabin. I sat down up front. My great-grandfather came out, and he was a smile from ear to ear when he saw that buck. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget that moment in my life. I still have a picture of all three of us, me, my grandfather, and my great-grandfather standing around that deer, hanging up in the, sh- in the shed behind the cabin.
0: Oh, man, that's special. That's really yeah. cool. And it's ever just, since, good.
1: Go ever since that moment, I was hooked.
0: Oh yeah, wow, that's a good story, man. <laughs>
1: Thank
0: you, man. That's really cool. Yeah, I, I mean, just, I, I just, I'm smiling just because I can just picture the whole thing and just the excitement. I mean, and just kind of a neat thing with your grandfather, and then also with your great. I mean, not a lot of people get to hunt with their great grandfather. That's kind of cool that you knew the knew him and and got to spend that time with him as oh, well. Yeah. I
1: got to hunt with him for about 3 or 4 years before he passed in 2014.
0: Okay. All right. Which
1: it was amazing. It was I got to learn a lot. I got to hear a lot of cool stories from him and it it really shows like the stuff that I learned from him, I'm I'm teaching my kids now too.
0: Yeah. So what, really let's cool. talk about that for a second. Any any stories about your great grandfather? I don't know that I've ever had anybody on, on here to talk about great grandfathers before.
1: <laughs> well, my great grandfather, he still has probably. Uh, I'll just get in the one for now, because I got a few other good hunting stories for you. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, my great grandfather, I have a set of deer horns from 1939. This buck was about an 150 inch nine pointer. Wow. The G2s on it are over 15 inches long.
0: I didn't think deer like existed like that back then, from what everybody else told, told me. <laughs> Neither did I. Well, uh,
1: it's funny when he tells the story of this deer, because it's crazy how it happened. They were putting a deer drive on up at their old cabin in Sullivan County. And he got in the middle of this deer drive, and he was crawling through some real thick brush. Well, he's just crawling through all of a sudden. He, see, he hears something that sounds like a freight train running at him. So he, he thinks, okay, here comes a deer. So he gets ready. And next thing he knows, he looks up and he sees these horns coming through the brush at about 10 yards away, running right at him. Well, this deer, when it cleared through the brush and it got in front of him, he literally was on a knee and he shot that deer from a hip.
0: <laughs> oh, my goodness. And
1: this deer, when he hit that deer, it somersaulted and actually flipped over his one shoulder and landed in the snow behind him. Wow. So... When that deer dropped, he walked. He he settled down for a second, calmed down because I'm sure his adrenaline was just going through the roof. I mean, I don't know how well I could handle being charged by a 150 inch buck close quarters like that, but yeah. I just re- I remember him saying I walked up to this deer. There was about a foot of snow on the ground. He said he grabbed the deer by the ear when he pulled the head up. There was no horns on the head. He couldn't figure out what happened. Well, he dug through. The, the snow a little bit, that deer hit the ground so hard when it somersaulted that it actually broke its horns off. You're kidding me. No, it broke them off right at the pedicle. Wow.
0: Wow. That is crazy.
1: And it is amazing because the size of this deer, it was so big. When they were coming home from the cabin, they had the deer strapped to the hood of the the car that they were driving and the horns in the seat. This deer was so big that the uh, wardens were actually pulling them over Because they didn't have a doe season early on. It was always buck then, three weeks ago. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: So every time a warden would pull him over, he'd have to stop, take the horns out of the car, and show the warden. (laughs) I got to find it. Somewhere I actually have the newspaper clipping. He was actually in the newspaper for that deer.
0: Oh, man, I'd love to see that. That's really cool. Brandon, do you ever feel like when you're telling, like, you weren't there, like, you weren't even around – but you heard that story from your great-grandfather. Do you, do you, do you ever just kind of like relive it like you were there? Sometimes I hear these hunting stories from people, and it's like I'm sitting right there, and I can picture what the whole thing would look like.
1: I'll tell you what, Travis. I can sit there with any of the stories that I've heard from my grandfather and great-grandfather, and I can literally picture them walking through that moment like it was a movie. Yeah yeah I, it's it's an amazing thing and you you feel like you're right there with them when they're telling them or when they were telling them too which yeah it's just it's unbelievable and then it makes me look at some of the stories that i've had and it's like huh
0: <laughs> yeah it, well and uh, that's the thing i mean you think about your kids and the stories that you'll get to tell them one day is also kind of neat to think about but i i want to take i want to go ahead and take that road Let's, let's jump into some of your stories. So we've heard about All grandfather right. and great grandfather, but how about Brandon? What, what are some stories since then? And that, that time frame where maybe you've kind of came into your own a little bit.
1: All right. Well, I'll start with my buck from 2012 and I'm going to work you up to 2017 where I shot, I got a deer every year for five years straight.
0: Oh man. Cool.
1: And four out of the five years were buck.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah. I want to hear that.
1: So 2012, that one I'm going to keep short and simple just because the main part of the whole story was one part before the hunt actually even started, and then that Wednesday. So okay. the Saturday before I was out turkey hunting, I didn't see a single turkey, fall turkey because fall turkey butted right up to the weekend before rifle. Well, I'm walking out the lower path of our cabin, and I see this buck standing out in the field. It's just a small basket seven. Which I was never, I've never won that like the size of the buck really didn't matter early on to me. Well, I got behind this tree because this deer was walking towards me. And this deer got within about three feet of me on the other side of this large oak tree. I just popped my head around and said, hey, how you doing to it? (laughs) Just kind of messing with the deer. It was a young buck, you know, I figured, whatever, have a little fun, you know. So I'm just out there having a good time. Well, this deer, it stared at me for a good 20 seconds, turned, ran 25 yards, stopped, turned around again, looked at me. And I'm sitting there thinking this whole time, like, if it was the first day, I'd have venison in the freezer. Yeah. Which was kind of a good laugh, so that deer finally ran off, I went back into the cabin. And the first few days of the hunt that year were kind of like years past where it was just real slow. Nobody was really seeing anything. And I mean, we saw a couple some, couple dough and stuff, but nothing worth noting. Well, that Wednesday comes along and we decide to take a day off. My great grandfather still alive at that point. And we said, okay, let's stay in the cabin. We're going to play some cards today. And then we're going to go over to my great grandfather's and have dinner. Well, we're sitting there playing cards in the cabin. And right around the middle of the game, the one, got, our one hunting buddy Dean, Looks up and says, here comes a deer. It's a buck. Well, a couple of the guys, me and my uncle, we grabbed our our rifles and we just ran out the cabin, you know, just because, you know, hey, finally, we're seeing a buck. Well, we're sitting on the front seat, of front porch of the cabin, just watching this deer come through the path. I can hear my grandfather hollering inside, shoot, somebody shoot, somebody shoot. Well, my uncle, I didn't have a point restriction at the time yet because I was still under 16, So the second that deer walked out in the road, I shot it offhand in my, uh, basically I was in my pajamas at that point. (laughs) I shot that deer offhand in my pajamas. It dropped in the road. We made sure it expired. It was cold out that day. We actually ended up going back inside and finishing our game of cards. (laughs) And the thing is, I was, I was so distracted at that point that I couldn't even finish the card game. I, I just, I was throwing away every hand that I had. I'm like, let me get to the deer.
0: (laughs) <laughs> that's cool. Yeah,
1: and that that buck we actually named the, the game of cards that we play, I don't know if you ever played it, Hoss and Pepper.
0: Oh no, never even heard of it.
1: No, it's basically an all face card game. Well, we we dubbed that buck the Hoss Buck.
0: Oh, that's cool. That's a good name.
1: Yeah, so that was the first deer of the streak that I started. I shot that one in 2012. So then 2013 deer season rolls around. The week started off a little slow again. I'm just going to lead up until I get to the about in the Well, yeah. this yeah, year hard. I decided to go sneak hunting the Wednesday because it was it was it was a little wet out, but there was some crunch. It was kind of half frozen, half not, and I had a nice railroad bed that I could walk on the property on like the lower part that went onto the neighbor's property where we had permission. So I thought I'm going to go sneak hunting. So I grabbed my rifle and I headed out, figuring, you know, I'm just going to take a walk and see if I see anything. So I'm sneaking through, and all of a sudden I just hear crunching. And I think, okay, that that sounds like a deer or one really big squirrel. So I get up around this bend. I I stop, I peek around, and I see horns coming through the trees. It's a small basket eight-pointer. And then behind them is about a 100, 90 to 100-inch eight-pointer. Well, this buck, I pull up. I get him in my crosshairs. He's uh, about 60 yards. I take the shot. Deer runs off, I think. There's no way I missed that deer. So I decide to walk down. It, it like steeped down into a ravine off the railroad bed, and it was flat in the bottom, and it came back up to the bed. Well, I decide to walk down partway. I don't see any blood where the deer stood or anything. Next thing I know, I look in the bottom of this ravine. There goes that buck that I shot at running through the ravine and it's heading up the hill towards the railroad bed. Now, I only have about 80 to 100 yards on this deer. So uh, me, being I was 17 years old, I think, at the time, I see this buck running. I'm standing there with my rifle. I decide, you know what, I'm going to race this deer. So I turn to my right, and I run up the hill. And my heart is just pounding from the adrenaline of this situation and just having to run up a hill like that. (laughs) <laughs> I get up to that hill maybe five seconds before that deer got there somehow. And when I got up there, that deer came out. I stopped the deer right on the edge of the railroad bed. All I had, I know it wasn't the best shot, but all I had at the time was the next shot. Well, I took my shot and that deer dropped in its tracks. Now I remember this was the last deer that I got that I was able to tell my great grandfather about because... After I shot that buck, I thought I had that, uh, it was a ground shrinkage deer. I thought he was way bigger than he really was when I first shot him. No, He was still like, he was 98 (laughs) inches, but, um, I remember calling my great-grandfather and I said to him, I said, Pappy, I shot probably a buck bigger than pops or just as big as pops from 2008. And I remember freaking out about this deer and I was so pumped up. I finally got up to him. I'll, I'll never forget that one. That was really cool because that was when I actually I called my great grandfather first. Next thing I know, I look up, here comes my uncle walking out the trail, and here comes my grandfather walking out the trail to meet me to help me bring the deer in.
0: Mm, that's cool.
1: Oh, yeah. well, that, that's one that'll never. Well, uh, all it's- of them.
0: Yeah, I just love the family stuff that you guys got going. So your your hunting cabin is that like a good ways away from where you live, or so is it, it was like about
1: a hundred miles, about a two hour. Oh wow, drive.
0: okay, yeah, yeah, it was nice. Uh, that's cool. Yeah, I, I. That's the thing too. I, I'm a little envious of you on that because I, I growing up, like we had like we would just go about a mile and we'd meet in somebody's basement you know that was our hunting party yep. there was never going to like a de- i've always like the guys that talk about going to like a cabin and spending like a week there in the cabin that that just that just sounds awesome it's just kind of a neat family experience that you guys are having there
1: yeah okay, I, I was very lucky to grow up and be put in that situation to start yeah let start off my hunting and that honestly that grew me a lot because i learned a lot up there too i learned about yeah. hard work and what you got to put into Being able to hunt, the commitment to the cabin, to the group, and just the the fellowship among that group of guys was unbelievable.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So that's year two. We're going on to, what, 2014 now? Yep,
1: 2014. 2014 was actually the first year that I didn't hunt up at the cabin for deer rifle. And that's because my daughter that year was born November 26th of 2014. Mm. And so that year, luckily my fiance, Casey, she was great to me. She was like, Hey, if you want, we had a three year, three day old girl at home, you know? And and she was like, Hey, you want to go hunting? Go ahead. So I was all cranked up. I was archery hunting this one piece of public ground all year long. I had, that was the first year I ever did trail cameras. I was really starting to get into it that year. I started archery hunting. Well, I got this buck on camera and this buck was every bit of 140 inches without a doubt. I wasn't real good at scoring them, you know, just by looking at pictures, but just looking at this deer compared to the other deer that it was standing by, it looked like a horse compared to them. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Well, I hunted this deer all year long. I never even got a glimpse of that thing during archery season. It showed up on my camera maybe two or three times. And then just disappeared. Like they do. Well, fast forward to the first day of rifle again. And I'm all primed up. My daughter was just born. I got this great opportunity to get out and go hunting. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go out and see what I can do. So I go out to the, it's called Bear Swamp, the place that I'd hunt, piece of public ground. Well, I, I I went out there and I got up in... I got up in the, I sat up on this like ravine edge and overlooking out towards the swamp. Well, I wasn't seeing anything that morning and I saw a bunch of other hunters coming through. So I thought, you know what, I'm just going to get up and walk. Just try to move around a little bit, see if I see anything, kind of a mobile hunt. Well, I'm walking out this lower trail that comes off the edge of this power line. I never walked here. I'm going to walk through and see if I see anything, get away from these other hunters and find a spot to sit. First day of rifle, you know how it goes. The deer are running everywhere. Well, next thing I know, I go about 50-60 yards and I just hear a shot go off. And I got my rifle ready just in case because you don't know what's going to come running through. Well, I hear running. I'm listening for a crash, see if the guy got the deer. Well, I still hear running. Next thing I know, I look over to my right, coming across the power line. Here comes that buck that I had on camera. I was just over the moon. Like, I thought, I can't believe this is happening. This never happens. You know, it never comes together this great. This deer stops facing me behind a tree, head poking around, staring me down through my gun scope. Oh, man. And I'm just sitting there like, you got to be kidding me. I'm like, this deer's going to book it on me. I'm not going to get a shot. Well, this deer, I said to myself, if it goes to the left of me, I'm going to have a shot. The second that deer starts to move, I pull that trigger. Well, this deer, Lord willing, decided to go to the left, and it started, it started to go for a run. Well, the second that shoulder came out from behind the tree, I pulled the trigger. Now, I watched this deer. It dipped down when I hit it, and there was a little snow on the ground, so I could see the blood spray. It was only at about 30 yards. And I thought, okay, this deer's going to go down. I got this deer. So I sit there for a minute, and then I'm thinking in my head, and I'm like, you know, with all these other hunters out here, I better get on this blood trail right away. Just because I don't want to end up walking up on somebody else walking up and taking my deer. Well, the second I got up to where that deer stood and I started walking with the trail, I heard another shot. Oh, man. Well, I walked up. I walked about 60 yards, and there's a guy standing over my buck. Starting to gut it. Wow. My heart just dropped. Well oh, man. At that point, I walked up to the guy. I said, oh, you got a deer there? He said, yeah, this buck just came in, and I shot him standing right here in front of me. I looked at him, and I said, you know, I shot that deer. He said, no, you didn't. I stepped to the side of the trail, and you could see red blood going all the way back through towards where I shot.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, this guy started to get a little agitated towards me and I'm not exactly one for confrontation in the woods. I figured maybe he needed the deer more than me or something. I was bummed because that would have been the biggest buck I've ever taken. Oh man. Well, I decided to walk away and I remember I, the guy actually let me pick up the rack on the deer, at least just to admire it. The brow Mm -hmm. tines on that thing were as big around at the base on the brow tine as a soda can.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: That deer just had ridiculous mass to it. It wasn't extremely high, but the mass on that thing was just unbelievable. Hmm. Probably one of the most beautiful buck that I've ever seen in the woods. Yeah. And I just remember my heart being broken. I decided, you know, I'm just going to go and I'm walking. I don't even care at this point. I'm just, I'm walking. I'm bummed down. Like if I come across something, I come across something. Well, I'm walking and next thing I know, I hear something. So I stop. I hear a bawling sound. You know, the sound the deer make when they're wounded? Yeah. My heart dropped. I looked up. Here's this little spike buck that I also had on trail camera. I jokingly named it. My kids named him Belly Goat. Because <laughs> he had these little tiny spikes, right? Well, this, somebody spined that deer. And the, and they hit him pretty far back. And this deer was literally just laying there, pretty much dragging itself. Mm. And I thought, what do I do here? I knew the ethical thing to do would be put the deer down and figure out what to do after that. So I put that deer down and I'm standing there with this deer thinking, well, what do I do now? If I call him, like, I, should I call report it? Like, So I call, I, I go to call one of my buddies that I would hunt with. And next thing I know, I look up, here comes a couple guys walking towards me. And I thought, oh, now what? These guys come up to me and they're like, you're trying to steal my deer. And I look at him like, no, I just walked up on this thing. It was wounded. I wanted to put it down to make sure it wouldn't suffer anymore. Well, this guy started to get a little uh, temperamental towards me too. Turns out he was buddies with the guy that took my deer.
0: Ah, uh, doesn't surprise me. Wow. No,
1: no, it didn't surprise me either. But I looked at him straight in the face and I said, you know, that deer's not legal. And he says, anything under three inches is a legal deer considered to be a doe and I looked at him and I said no that that's not a legal deer but at that point he also stated to me that that deer he shot it at first light now by the time I got to this deer it was about 8:39 o'clock oh man he told me he was continuing to hunt he left that one lay there he was waiting for another one wow so at this man. point good
0: no uh, yeah it's just that's it's absolutely frustrating sometimes i mean you hear these stories and it's incredibly frustrating that there are hunters out there like that. You like to think that some some guys have some sense and that there's some ethics going on, but not everybody seems to have that mode in their mind for some reason.
1: Exactly, and it, it's honestly, it's heartbreaking to see because yeah. the, the ethic part of it is one of the most important parts to me. Like, I Always respect the other people in the woods and they respect you. That's the way I was raised.
0: Yeah. Well, yep. this
1: is all going on in one day here, this whole situation. So after that, dear, I decided, you know, what, I am done hunting for the day. I'm done at this point. Like this is the second, this is the second buck of the day that I had something go wrong with. So I'm like, you know what, I'm going home. So I went home. I'm sitting there. I'm eating a little lunch. I start talking to my fiance, and, she, and I'm like, you know, what, I'm thinking of going back out again. And Luckily enough, she actually let me go again. Like, she was great about it. And I decided I had this piece of private property that was all farm fields that I would hunt in evenings. So I decided I'm going to go out there, just sit in the field and enjoy some quiet where I'm not going to see orange to my left and right every 50 yards. Yeah. So I get out in this field. I sit down on the top edge of the field by some pine trees. Figured I'm just going to watch this bottom here because the deer come out up to this bottom and feed in the field at night. Well, don't you know, I look over to my right, here comes some orange. It's the landowner, the landowner <sighs> comes over to me, which at least at that point, it's somebody I know. And it's not somebody that's going to like mess me up at all or anything. Yeah. Well, me and him were talking a little bit and he's like, Hey, how about I put a little drive on for you? And at that point I'm like, yeah, go ahead. I mean, what, what do we have to lose? You know, I'm, I had all this go on today, so he's like, yeah, you just go sit right in the middle of this bean field, and I'm gonna walk through the woods back there, and if anything comes through, shoot it. So I look at him like, okay, well, I'm only out for a buck right now, but, all right, let's see what happens. So I'm sitting there, and no more than 30 minutes later, I'm sitting in the middle of the soybean field with a fence row about 50 yards in front of me. Here comes this this buck with three on one side, just booking it through, and he's stops in the fence row and i'm looking at him and i'm like here we go again with the stopping where i can't get a shot and that just drove me nuts at that point well this deer staring at me and i'm like well if you're coming out i'm gonna have to take a shot well this deer came out on a flat run and me being young i thought you know i can make that shot well i shot that deer offhand at 50 yards on a flat run and i double lunged it oh wow and actually, I had a uh, situation similar to my great-grandfather's big nine-pointer with that deer, too. I got up to that deer after shooting it. It was it was legal. It had three on one side, and I thought, okay, I'm going to drag this deer over to the edge so I can get my truck around to get the deer. I grab the deer by the horn. I start the pull, to drag it. I end up laying in the field. The horn popped off.
0: Wow. <laughs> uh, wow, and this is like November, right?
1: Yeah, this is this is like November, maybe early December. Huh, that's I weird. Could, I couldn't grasp why the horn would fall off of a deer that early.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't know if it was a nutrition thing, but that that's something that still baffles me to this day.
0: Yeah. Well, so a rough day ends with you at least getting a deer down.
1: Yeah, which at that point, I, w- I was willing to settle for anything that was legal.
0: Yeah.
1: After that morning. And that was the coolest thing ever, too, because that deer I was able to get three days after having my baby girl.
0: Mm, That's special. Yeah.
1: Yeah, which was one of the coolest things ever. I could tell her how, you know, three days after you were born, dad shot three buck and finally got to keep the last.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, that's good. That's good, man.
1: But yeah, that was one of the, that was a really cool moment for me.
0: So the streak continues.
1: Yep. So the next year, we hit 2015. I didn't get a chance to do much hunting that year. I didn't get to go up to the cabin for a rifle, but that's besides the point. I already had a deer before that. This was my first archery deer. I was hunting this piece of um, public land that was in the town, right outside the town of Bangor, and I, I would hunt. I've hunted this for years. I, I got into archery about three or four years prior, and I hunted this little piece of property nonstop all archery season. Every trip, I've seen a deer, but I've never gotten a shot. I set, I'd set i always set up on this one ridge, and no matter which edge of the ridge I set up with, there was a field on either edge. The deer seemed to always travel through the opposite edge, no matter what I did. Well, first day of the early archery season, 2015, it was, I think, September 20th? Mm-hmm. I decided I'm gonna go out archery hunting. So I took my climber out, I grabbed my Matthews, I, I decided I'm going out to this spot. So I said, you know what, for once I'm gonna set up right in the middle of this thing and see what happens. Well, about ten, fifteen minutes after legal shooting light started, I'm sitting there and I see these three doe coming in off this off the field to my left. And they're they're walking right and this dip that follows back on the, the little ridge that was there. There was like a dip on the front and the back. And then there was bedding out in front of me. Well, these deer, they're walking right through. And I, I see them coming. I thought, okay, if this deer passes and hits this spot right here, it's going to give me a shot at 20 yards. So I'm watching this deer. I, I get my range finder. I range it again. I turn around. And this is, honestly, yeah, this is actually the first doe I ever shot, too. This deer stop right on... Right to the left of this one, uh, I can't remember what kind of tree it was anymore, but it was about 20 yards away. I drew back. I took my shot. I double-lunged this deer, too, but the thing is, this is the first deer I ever double-lunged that just dropped in its tracks.
0: Oh, whoa. Yeah.
1: Yeah, this deer, I think it was just completely calm and just, I I was running uh, G5 Havocs on my arrows.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I don't know what it was with that deer, but that deer just dropped and expired within a couple minutes
0: yeah my buddy did that this year the recurve i mean we thought that he spined it but whenever you watch the footage like he just the shock or something with the impact it just i mean just immobilizes deer just dropped it on the spot i mean that's that's always a cool uh, was that, a, that Trav's,
1: uh one of the two doe that he shot this year
0: yeah yep yeah yep so i'm uh yeah i mean I, we watched it over and over like, did he spine it? Doesn't look like you spined it. And sure enough, I mean, it just dropped in his tracks. That's cool. So, that's your fir- that was your first uh, yes. uh, archery? That was
1: actually my first and only archery deer. Oh, to man. To this date. Well, that's cool. I've had a lot of other cool encounters, but nothing ever really came together. Yeah. So, that 2015, then I ended up getting caught up with work. I wasn't able to go for a rifle for my buck. Which was a bummer, but I, hey, I had deer meat in the freezer. So, all in all, the year was a success for me. Yeah. Yep. So now we come into, I believe, 2016. Right. 2016 was my first year back to hunting the cabin after my great grandfather passed. And actually, that a couple months before, I had to put my dog down, which was something mm-hmm. that was very hard for me. At that point, and then, like it, it happened, like right before hunting. So I kept the deer, my dog's collar on my, you know, my hunting pack and all that, kind of like a memento to him. And I had my great grandfather's hunting jacket that I had up the cabin that I, I never really wore. It was just up there. Well, the first day of the season rolls along, and I put out this hang on stand out in the flat on the lower part of the property. And nothing much really went on that day. I think I saw three. No, I didn't see any deer that day. That was the next year I saw three of that. But that on that flat, I didn't see any deer. So we went back into the cabin. Me and my uncle were talking. He had a stand all the way up on the top of the mountain in the far corner of the property that he would always hunt. Well, being that they were all starting to get up there a little bit in age and he had some back problems, he didn't want to walk up there anymore. So he said, hey, tomorrow if we go out, you can go hunt my stand. So I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay, cool, I'll go up there, you know, I don't mind taking a walk up the mountain. So the next day rolls along, it was raining in the morning, so we just said, oh, you know what, we're just sleeping in. So we all slept until about 8.30, got up, had breakfast, and I said, okay, I'm going, me and Dean, the one guy that we hunted with, we're like, okay, we're going up to our stands, I'm going to go up to my uncle's stand, he's going to go to his stand. So we decide to walk up to the stands. So I get up to this stand, it's about quarter after 9. I could hear Dean getting in his stand, which is about maybe 2 300 yards away but you can't see him. But
0: mm-hmm. you could hear
1: him cuz he has a for some reason this guy had a metal ladder going up to his stand. Like one of them <laughs> aluminum jobs. And yeah, when he was old getting school. up in his stand, you could hear him clinking. And I just sat there thinking, you know what? I'm not going to hear a single thing. I'm not going to see a single thing all day after that. So I'm sitting there and I decide, you know, I'm going to send a picture to my buddy off the front of the stand that I'm sitting in, which off this stand to my back is that big field I was telling you about yeah. earlier on. And then down in front of me, it drops straight down to one of those roads and then drops straight down again to another road Well, I'm sitting there. So I say, okay, I'm going to take a picture. I send a, take a picture, send it to my buddy off the front of the stand I set my phone back down in my pocket. Now, I'm a cigarette smoker, so I light a cigarette. And no sooner than I light that cigarette, I look down in the path below me, off the front of the stand, about, it's about 60 yards away, 50 yards away. There's a buck laying there. <laughs> just bedded down, 50 or 60 yards in front of the stand. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I didn't see this thing walking in. <laughs> and this deer, could literally, you could literally see the Dean's Ladder. On the trail that this deer was laying on, that deer was watching back in his direction, just laying there, hanging out. So I'm sitting there, like, right, and at this point, this is the one of the few major times that I got the shakes bad, because this was the the biggest buck I've seen in the Deer Woods, oh, besides wow. that one from 2014. Well, I pulled up. This deer's bedded. I have a perfect broadside shot through some brush while the deer was laying in its bed. I know bedded deer shots aren't always the best shot, but when you're with a rifle, I kind of made the exception because I knew it was an ethical shot for me. Well, this deer is laying there. I pulled up my rifle. I took my safety off, and I fired my shot. This deer never got out of its bed. I would always shoot a 110-grain Hornady with, like, 54 grains of powder out of a 30-out-six. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a real light bullet, so when it hits, it kind of, it almost fragments a little bit. And it causes a, li- it causes a little more trauma internally, which actually helps expire the deer quicker. Right. It's something my great-grandfather taught me, my grandfather taught me, they taught me how to reload. Well, this deer expired, I go down to it. I'm, I'm pretty cranked up at this point, it's been a big as fuck. I mean, I couldn't take a minute and, and just really think about my great-grandfather and my dog, though. And the coolest thing about that deer was I took my great-grandfather's jacket off the coat rack that morning and put it on. Oh, wow. And I actually had his old hunting license in the pocket of it. Yeah, wow.
0: So That's I thought, cool, this man.
1: is like the coolest thing ever. It's like, I, I got this deer, it's like my great-grandfather was looking over me, my dog was there.
0: Yeah.
1: Everything came together greatly.
0: Do you have, no? now, when, quick question. When you took a picture of the front of your stand, is that buck in your picture? Yes. <laughs> you didn't know it.
1: I didn't know it, which is actually what I was getting to because. <laughs> oh, uh, sorry. Cut you off. That, that's all right. That deer, I got back to the cabin after taking it down, taking care of it, you know, and I sat there and reflected a little bit on the hunt. And I just yeah. thought for a minute. I said, wait a minute. I took a picture of this. <laughs> well, you pulled, I pulled that picture up on my old phone. I wish I still had the picture. But if you zoomed in on that picture, you could see that buck laying down there.
0: Oh, that's incredible.
1: (laughs) It's hilarious because you you look at it and you think, of all things, how did I not notice that deer laying there sooner? Or how did that deer not jump on us when we were walking up in there? Oh, man,
0: that's funny. (laughs) That's funny. I could see that happening to me. Totally see that happen to me.
1: Uh, Yeah, that was really cool. I mean, I just... uh, it baffles me. I I I have no other words for that. I'm just kind of dumbstruck by it. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. Well, no, that's awesome.
1: That pretty much ended the 2016 season. That deer ended up scoring 115 and three quarters.
0: Oh, that's a good deer, man.
1: Oh yeah, that one I was I was pumped about. That was my biggest to date. Well, the next year comes around. I believe it was the 2017 season. Yeah. This was the last year I was able to really get out hunting. Because of some life circumstances and stuff, yeah, well, 2017 rolls around, and this ended up actually being our last year at the cabin before we sold it. It was not known at that point or anything like that. well, we were we went up, we were all having a good time, you know, we, we were watching these three doe that were walking around all over the weekend. I actually I missed a turkey during uh, the last day of fall turkey from that same stand that I got the buck deer before. So that first morning rolls around and it's it's relatively cold and it's windier than you could imagine. Just very heavy swirling winds. I didn't expect to see much and I could hear coyotes howling all morning. So I just, I sat there and thought, you know, I'm going to go out. We're still going out like we do every year but I'm not going to see anything. I'll probably be back in by lunch to get some leftover chili from the night before. So I head up to the stand. I get up in my uncle's stand. It's about, I get up there about five 30 in the morning. Once it starts to break daylight, I hear some rustling. So that gets me pretty cranked up. The next thing I know, I look over, it's two red squirrels chasing each other to my left. <laughs> and, and my heart just kind <clears> of <throat> drops at that point. And I'm like, Oh, you guys got to be kidding me.
0: Yeah, That happens well, to me every year.
1: <laughs> yep. Don't you love it? You sit there and you hear this crunch, 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 crunch. Oh, your you're so tracing. sure. You're like,
0: you're so sure. And then you look and it's a yep. squirrel. Yep. It's a squirrel. And the sad
1: thing is, even after you identify that squirrel, sometimes you'll hear that crunch, crunch, crunch again, get all pumped yep. up again. And it's the same squirrel.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, t- I completely yep. identify with that.
1: <laughs> well, that the squirrels actually play into this a little bit on that first day. I decide I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, you know what? These squirrels are playing. I'm not going to see anything. Well, you know, you can still see deer or squirrels. Well, I hear crunch, 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 crunch again, and I think oh, there's the squirrels go again. Well, I look down on that path until my left, hear these deer come out, and I thought, okay, cool, some deer. But then I rec- recognized those deer. They were the same three doe we were seeing all weekend, mm. and I didn't see any buck hanging around with them all weekend up prior to the hunt. It was just these three doe that hung out, and they just basically neandered around the property. So I'm, not, I'm sitting there not thinking about much, just watching these doe. The next thing I know, I look back behind them towards where there's, this power line drops down off the mountain. There was like a trail that they would always cut across onto this trail on our property mm-hmm. from the neighboring property. It was basically this steep pine slope where they liked to the bed. I see this real big body come through the trees, and I think, okay, that's something different. Well, I pulled my scope up, and I, I'm looking at this deer. I trace the body up to the head, and I see the horns. I'm like, okay, that's a buck. So at that point, I'm actually pretty calm, surprisingly, and I'm watching this deer, trying to figure out if it's legal. It comes through, and it starts walking down the trail towards me. So the first thing I pick out, okay, it's a buck. It's not a spike. Cool. Well, then as it gets a little closer, there's a lot of brush on the farther end of that path, so I can't really see through. And I identify okay, that looks like a, it looks like it's a basket six, like a decent basket six. Nothing too crazy. But I'm going to take this deer. Well, this deer starts walking. Now I'm looking for a hole to shoot. I cannot find anything. And then I remembered the year before the hole that I found that I shot the buck in prior. Well, I'm watching this deer and I found that hole again. Turns out this deer, if it continued on its path, would step right into that same hole that I shot the buck in the year prior. Mm. And God willing, this deer kept going and I stopped it right in that hole. (laughs) And when this deer stopped and looked at me, I took the safety off and I fired my shot. This deer turned and it kind of had like a wobble to it. Walk down the hill. At first, I thought, you know, that, that looked like a good hit. I know I hit that deer solid. I'm going to give it a little time, and I'm going to go down and find out what's going on. So at this point, I'm thinking, okay, I shot I shot this basket six, you know. Cool. And I, I can hear Dean yell over from his stand, hey, you get him. I think so. <laughs> well, I got down out of the stand, and I walked down to where the deer was standing. I couldn't find any blood. I thought, how did I miss this deer? I made this—I made this shot a thousand times. I—I I shot all through the off season. There's no way I missed this deer. Well, I walked all the way down to the lower path below that, where I could see my stand, and I did not find a single speck of blood. Well, I turned and I started walking back up towards the other stand, thinking maybe I was in the wrong spot. I just happened to look to my right, and I saw an antler sticking out from behind a tree. <laughs> And I thought, I, I yelled over to Dean. I said, I got him. He's down. I said, okay, I'll be over. Well, I walked up to this deer, and I actually had the opposite of ground shrinkage with this deer. I walked up to this thing. Its main beams were almost touching. Mm. And it was actually a pretty good eight. That deer, I believe, ended up scoring in the low 120s. Yeah. Not bad for what I thought was a basket six. So I took my <laughs> shot. It just its horns yeah. were so dark that it kind of blended with the timber and I was able to pick out that it was legal and it just it looked a lot smaller.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that can happen with a backdrop. The guys I hunt with they they make fun of me because I, I thought I shot a doe one time and it ended up being a six point. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you never know. Yeah, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, that's that hey, that's a happy mistake too though, man.
0: Yeah, I'll take it.
1: Yeah, take a six point over a doe any day. You know, the the dough, they taste a little better most of the time. Uh,
0: That's true. That is true. (laughs) So your streak continues in 2017, and you – I mean, that's incredible, man. You had a string of some really good years there.
1: Yeah, it was five years straight, four buck, one seven point, and three eight points.
0: Oh, man. That's incredible. Uh, I think what's what's – go ahead.
1: I, I forgot where I was going, buddy. <laughs>
0: oh no, I was just thinking about what's neat about your story is just how you mentioned your great your your ties to your grandfather and your great grandfather throughout that just kind of that just keeps coming back up, and I think it's really neat. Um, I'm just honored that you'd come on the show and and share that you know so quick after his your grandfather's passing, and I just think that's pretty special to, to have those memories with those guys.
1: Thank you, man. I appreciate it. that. Guy was my best friend and my mentor. I spent countless hours in the woods with him and fishing with him, and I wouldn't be the man that I was today or know anything that I know today if it wasn't for that guy. Mm.
0: That's it's so important. I, I can't stress enough the importance of being that guy. You know, I think being willing to take people and being willing to show them the ropes after the things that you've learned, you know, I mean, you wouldn't know the things that you know without, without your grandfather. So that's pretty, that's pretty cool.
1: Exactly, man. I honestly, I look forward to passing that on to my kids.
0: Mm. That's cool. So you said you had a few things come up. You weren't able to hunt as much. So let's yeah. let's just talk a little bit for a second. Plans this year, are you able to, you making plans to be able to go?
1: Um, I'm starting to do a little planning for Turkey.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm getting a little primed up for that. Um, I'm still, I got to figure out where to go cause we don't have the cabin anymore. And that was always kind of my go-to. Yeah. <laughs> I had a, I have a couple public land spots, so I'm going to probably just take the gun for a walk and just see what I find out there. Maybe get into a little small game. And if I yeah. have some good scouting and find some good gear, maybe I'll get out with the rifle for rifle season, but. I really want to dive back into it full gear again because I I finally got the opportunity to again. Mm-hmm. And I kinda of wanna do it because I know that's what my grandfather would want me to do too.
0: Yeah. It's
1: it's been killing me these last couple of years not going. Yeah. But that's what I life comes up, so it does. It does. I'm just I'm honored to know what I know and had the experiences that I had.
0: Yeah. Well, Brandon, man, I really appreciate it. that was a lot of really good stories, uh, like just incredible encounters that you've had. And I really appreciate you taking your time tonight. Come and tell some of those. I, I enjoyed every one of them.
1: Thank you, Trev. And I really enjoy what you're doing, too, man. I love that you have this out here for people to uh, get out and share their stories.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, just hearing yours is the reason that I do it because, I mean, those are some incredible stories that I think people will smile if they're like me, just smile ear to ear listening to those. And and it's like you kind of like we talked about earlier, like it's not just you telling the story. I was there with you on that hunt. <laughs> like I can picture and it's probably completely different than what I have pictured in my head. But I, I mean, it's just really neat. I think that's, that's the cool thing about a hunting story. So thank you for sharing yours, Brandon. I appreciate it all right there you go guys i won't be long with this i'll just want to say first off thanks to brandon um that was a lot of fun and he had some really awesome and crazy stories and i really appreciate him coming on i I i love all my guests i love the opportunity to hear people's stories and just what makes them excited about hunting and um you know, it's just always kind of neat just to hear where people come from and their background. And I enjoyed hearing those stories about Brandon's grandfather and his great grandfather. I just think about what he's learned and what's been passed on to him. And, and it makes me think about the importance of passing that on to others. I've said it before, I've said it a million times, um, but that's so important. And I realize here's something I realize not everybody is a teacher, not everybody's good at being a teacher. So that might not be your thing. Your thing might not be to show somebody exactly how you do something. Um, but maybe there's a way that you could connect. Connect somebody to somebody that does. Maybe you know somebody who's like a really good turkey caller, or a good deer hunter, or elk bugler, or whatever, and you could pass them on. Um, sometimes I do that. Like I don't consider myself an expert on hardly anything, but I know some experts. I know some people who really know their stuff. And so um, what I try and do is point people. If I can help them, I'll try and help them. But sometimes the best thing to do is to point them on to others and, and give them those resources. Um, people don't always know where to find people that might be able to help them and, and help them grow. So that'd be my challenge to you is think of somebody maybe that we could recruit to hunting, somebody that we could teach. I mean, you think about this time and, you know, grocery stores running out of meat and just crazy stuff like that. And and you and I probably have freezers that are full of wild game. Uh, my wife and I are about sick of eating deer. We've, we've fixed it every way, <laughs> any way that we can, but no, I I'm kidding. We actually enjoy it. But It's so important to pass this along, not just because of the food, but also just the pure enjoyment. And I'm excited this coming Monday I'm headed out hunting, but the reality is it's not my hunt, it's Corey's hunt. Uh, There's a guy that I'm taking out, it'll be his first time, him hunting, and I'm going to film and I'm going to do everything I can to get that guy a close shot at a gobbler, and um, we'll see what happens. But I wanted to say this, It's, it's, it's so important the things that we pass on. Probably the most important thing that you can pass on is your faith. Um, some of us might be a little bit quiet about that. Like, we feel like we're not a teacher. We don't know what we'd say. Yeah, we believe in God or Jesus, and maybe we go to church. But we just don't say a lot about it because we don't want to be a Jesus freak. We don't want to cram it down people's throats, and that's, that's good. But we all, I believe, have some sort of responsibility to pass on. If you've been given what I think is the best news on the planet, and we just— sit on it we don't ever do anything with it then that's that's not good either so maybe there's some sort of middle ground paul is going to say in first corinthians 11 for i received from the lord what i also passed on to you and he's basically just kind of talking about what god has revealed to him he's just sharing it he's not trying to cram it and, and honestly guys that's what i'm trying to do with this podcast i, I hope that you don't feel like i'm cramming uh, you know jesus down your throat but really what it is is i've been blessed um I was raised in a Christian home. I had to question my faith as I grew up, and I've come to believe that this is the truth. It's what gives me purpose. It's what gets me up in the morning it's what helps me understand the losses that I've had in life It's what helps me get through the challenges that I have and I have just using this way of podcasting as a way to maybe pass it on to you for something to consider something that might encourage you I hope um, and outside of this podcast, I try and find ways to do that with people I come in contact with um, and you know, Maybe that's not your thing, but I, I do think if it's important to you and you believe in it, that we owe it to other people, at least let them know uh, some good news. So that's my thoughts on today. I want to thank you for listening to the show. Hey, do me a favor. If you haven't yet, leave a review or a rating. That is great whenever you do that. I really appreciate that. Um, and I appreciate all the listeners out there. I hope that you are staying safe. hope that you have a great week, and remember to shed the light.